Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. Hi, my name is Sherry. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi, it's really an honor to be here, and I just I really want to thank Roy for starting this meeting. I'd like to thank Walter for inviting me to speak, and for John for all your fabulous service, and for all of you to be here tonight. It's it's always an honor to do service for Overeaters Anonymous, and such a hate women that look like me. I mean, I used to hate women that look like me. So to get those numbers out of the way, I want to tell you my top weight used to be 260 pounds, and I was busting out of a size 24. I now have 18 and a half years of back-to-back perfect abstinence with an imperfect food plan, and I'll be turning 53 years old uh, in November. So I'm going to pass around my pictures. Let me show you my dress. So I'm going to step away from the mic for just a second. Those of you on tape, I'm holding up my uh, fashion statement, which kind of looks like a bed sheet. It's uh, size 24. It's red and black dress. And here it is. So, and here I am today. Ah, I'm going to go ahead and pass my pictures around to you. And in the front of my book here, you're going to notice that I have these two normal-looking pictures because I can never forget for one minute that this disease centers in my mind, not my thighs. This disease centers in my mind and not my thighs. And so I literally, you know, here's this lovely picture here, 260 pounds, that's not a size 24. I literally dieted my way to be 100 pounds overweight. And so, you know, I could stand up in front of you here today and tell you that I have 30 years of abstinence, but I don't. I only have 18 and a half years. And I only had 20 pounds to lose when I went to my first OA meeting. Only 20 pounds to lose. So I want to share something with you that I think that is validly important. And that is, every 100-pounder was once a 20-pounder. This is a progressive disease that gets worse over time, never better. And so that dress, you probably go, well, why is she standing up in front of me in a size 6? She looks hot. You know, there's even a bikini shot of me in there. And it's like, and there, and it's like, what, it's like, what happened? You know, I didn't believe that 20 pounds, even though I had been through this process so many times, right? Lose the 20, put it back on, plus 30. Lose the 30, put it back on and go to 40, and so on and so forth. And I used to say these things, I'll never let myself get that big. I'll never let myself be 180. I'll never let myself be 190, bing. I'll never let myself be 200. And man, once I passed the 200-mile marker, it just went straight on up. And so I have to tell you, I never really hit a spiritual, uh, a fat bottom. I really hit a spiritual bottom. I could not stand living in my head anymore. And so you probably go, you know, geez, you know, if, why didn't I get it? Why didn't I get it at 30 years? What was wrong with my head, right? And I always say the mind that got you into trouble can't be the one that gets you out, right? But guess what the worst part of this program for, for me is? And it's the first step. And the first step, in my first spon- the sponsor that I actually worked with in this program, and she had said to me, she goes, Sherry, what's the first step? And I said, 
I admitted I was powerless over food and that my life had become unmanageable. And she goes, wrong. And I go, well, what do you mean? And she goes, that's not the first step. I go, well, it is too. They say it at all the meetings. She goes, not at my meetings. And I go, well, what is the first step? She said, we. We admitted that we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. And she goes, do you know why that is? Like, I didn't know. I go, no, I, I really don't. And she said, because we can stay abstinent, but I can't. And that's my experience today. And I have to tell you, after 18 and a half years of obtaining and maintaining a healthy body weight, guess what's the worst part of this program for me? We. I hate when I have to get a new sponsor. I hate to have to pick up the phone and call you guys and go, I'm scared. I don't know how. Right? For an addict, that's the worst thing, you know, to say is I don't know how. You know, I always say we won't risk what we know we can't recover from. So as a kid, if I ever said I didn't know how, it was like smack. It was like I'm not risking that one again, right? And so it got ugly for me early as a kid. And so I remember my first, my very first compulsive bite. And um, hold on, I want to get something else here. Um, and, you know, when I was... When I was a little girl, I was uh, born and raised in Glendale, California. And, um, and, you know, we were at the Sears and Roebuck in, in Glendale. It still stands there. And there was this little hot dog stand. And uh, we all stopped to get this little hot dog. And I remember what I was wearing. I remember the lighting. I remember the floor. I remember the, as if it was yesterday. And I took this, my legal white powders, right, you know, Processed sugar, processed meat, processed bread. I mean, I'm a bottom feeder. I don't want to, you know, have high-end food. It's like I want my food either orange or white. I like it just, you know. When they go, your food should be colorful, I go, yeah, like a pizza. And they're like, no, like vegetables and fruit. And, you know, so, anyhow, I remember taking this, this, you know, and we all know the whiskey and mil- mil- the whiskey in the milk story, right? Suddenly. It, it occurred to him that it'd be a really good idea to, to mix whiskey with milk. Well, suddenly it occurred to me that it'd be a really good idea to take this hot dog and this bun and dip it in my real Coca-Cola and bite into it. And I did. Ugh. And it worked. And I remember that feeling, that release that I felt. And it's like, it was like I couldn't wait till I was 15 or... 18, do drugs and alcohol, and I needed to get out of right here, right now. And I think that that is, is, you know, really identified me as a thoroughbred, as a full-blown compulsive overeater, because it's like I really do have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. I mean, my mind just, it clicked. Like, that works. we got to do that a lot. And I did it, and I did it, and I did it, and I did it until I almost died. But it wasn't enough to have doctors say, well, sure, we want to test you for diabetes. And it was like, well, I'm not going back to that doctor. I mean, that was kind of, that's, you know, kind of how my head thought, you know, because it was getting, it was getting really bad. And, you know, I just couldn't do the wee part of this program. And I remember meeting my first sponsor, and she had said to me, she, she said, Sherry, um, and I, and I said, well, are you ever going to tell me how you lost your 50 pounds? And if you, if you really want to hear the long version of this, it's, there's on, that's probably on the tapes, the ABCs of absence or something. But, um, she, and so she said to me, I said, well, how did you ever lose your 50 pounds? And she had kind of strung me out because I was doing this, like, weight loss 
study, which is another story in itself. And she goes, oh, she goes, I went to, to Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, oh, way? No way. It doesn't work. She goes, it doesn't. And she looks down at, you know, her size 6 body, and she looks up at my size 24, and I go, didn't work for me. And she goes, Sherry, what was your sponsor like? Well, I didn't have one of those. She goes, what's your favorite part of the big book? Well, I didn't have one of those. And so we went through 12 steps and 8 tools and 12 traditions, and she goes, Sherry, what makes you think that you did OA? Because you went to meetings? I go, well, yeah. She goes, that's not the program. She goes, don't work my program. She goes, work the program. And the program's right here in this big book. And I go, well, there's no diet in here. She goes, yeah. She goes, the only thing it says that we should, we should have candy and chocolate readily available. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of diet I'm looking for. Um, so, you know, on, on page 30 in the big book, this is our zero step, and I'm really, I know that they're taping this, so I'm really kind of, you know, saying this, you know, for the, for the person who doesn't have the access to all our millions of meetings here in L.A., you know, we're just so fortunate. And, you know, here's the zero step on page 30, and it's the second paragraph, and it says, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were compulsive overeaters. This is the first step in recovery. And, you know, it's like, I think that I had taken that step a million times, right? I mean, I knew every time I lost the weight and I put it back on that I was a compulsive overeater. I knew that I was weird with food, right? But it's like until, you know, we fully concede to our innermost selves that we really are compulsive overeaters, are we really going to let somebody help us? You know, so it's like I was still doing the I, me, I, me thing. And, it, and, it, and in the forward to the first edition, it, it says that the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop eating compulsively. Well, in OA, we took out the word honest out. We don't even need to be honest. Just a desire. You know, and for all those years, what separated me from really obtaining and maintaining a healthy body weight was that I couldn't do the we part, but, you know, I didn't want to stop eating compulsively. I couldn't understand it because I wasn't doing the we part of the program. I was listening to my own head that said, just please get this weight off of me. Let me go on another diet and let me go back and eat two pizzas and 68 candy bars. You know, and that's not how the program works. It's a spiritual program of action. And so when I did the first step and I and the first step um, – you know, and I really did the we part of this program, and I just want to read something here real quick before I move on off that first step. And that is, um, you know, if you've decided, so you take the zero step, right? And then it says on page 58, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. And it was like, I wasn't willing to go to any lengths. Because I'm going to set this down. I'm going to hand the tea and set it down, make sure I don't lose my fabulous big book. Um, I wasn't really willing to go to any any list because I didn't want to tell anybody about my food. I didn't really want to start an ass. I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing. But when I got so desperate and I met my first sponsor, I was truly willing to go to any length. And so we set you know we set my abstinence. And I go, well, what is abstinence? And she goes, well, we're just like that of AA. So alcoholics put the plug in the jug, and then they start working the steps. And I go, well, what's abstinence? She goes, well, abstinence is basically uh, how we eat, 
And the food plan is nothing but a tool. That's what we eat, right? So it's like how we eat. So it's like, well, how do you do it? So this is my abstinence. And I've done this literally perfectly for 18 and a half years with a very imperfect food plan. So it's three meals a day with nothing in between the floating fruit. And that's, that's my perfect abstinence and an imperfect food plan. So do you think I've ever gained weight in program? Yeah, I'm a woman. I either go up two pounds or down two pounds or up five pounds or down two. But because I'm in the game of literally carrying the message to others and, and, and making sure that I'm improving my conscious contact with God on a daily basis, it's like, see, I think that every day I have a choice to go to relapse. I'm either marching towards a size 24 or I'm marching towards a size 6. Okay? So it's like I'm either, you know, a lot of people, like what my experience in OA, a lot of people have experienced, like me in the past, right, I'd lose all that weight, and I'd wake up six months, eight months, a year later going, how did this happen? 50 pounds, right? And I don't know, like, what happened? Like, oh, what, what do I have, like a second eye, like a lizard or something? And then my eyes open and go, wow, what happened? You know, I'm so used to looking at myself from the neck down. And so then I go, what happened? So every day, because my eyes are wide open because of what you guys have taught me, I no longer have to return to the food. Because it says in the, in the doctor's opinion that the alcoholic, i.e. the compulsive overeater, will be restless and irritable and discontented unless he can again experience the peace and ease of what the food used to give him. You know, and I remember when I lost my first 20 pounds and I was driving home. I had my head, you know, leaning against the window like this and I'm driving. I'm really depressed and I'm going, man, how am I going to live with the food and how am I going to live without it? Now, that's not a normal reaction for a normal woman, right? I mean, but we all know Sherry's not a normal woman. So, you know, I'd lost my first 20 pounds and it was kind of, I really kind of grieved it because I was no longer going to be able to take my feelings to the food. But as I was abstinent and working the steps, and remember, in the, in the last line of the first step, and you also have to remember back in 1989, we didn't have the OA 12 and 12, so I came up in AA's literature. So I came up in the AA 12 and 12, and the last line in the AA 12 and 12, it says, we, we stand ready to do anything to have this merciless obsession relieved. And my sponsor says, are you ready? I was afraid to tell her no, so I just said, yes. You know, and I just called her every day. I did exactly what I was told to do. And when we started working on step two, and it says, you know, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I was like, okay, let's just get to the fourth. You know, I already believe in God. I don't have to mess with that. She goes, Sherry, we're really not after, you know, belief. We're after reliance. And so for me today, it's like my reliance on my higher power is bankable, totally bankable. And I had to make a decision recently in my life whether I was going to, you know, keep this assistant or not. And I, and it was just like, you know, in the old days when I had my business, I had a, I had a whip in one hand and a pizza in the other. And I don't want to show it like that in my life anymore. And so I was like, am I going to keep her or not? And I thought, you know what, God? You have to give me the answer. It's bankable for me. My answers from God, I really line up because God put that intuition in me to know, you know, our feelings are nothing more than indicators that we need to do something about it, right? And so I was feeling like this isn't working out, this isn't working out. And it was like, but I wanted to move through my life as a woman of power and grace. 
And that's what this program, that's what, what you guys have taught me. I can move through my life as a woman of power and grace, not because you guys are nice to me, but because I am a woman of power and grace because I'm lined up with my higher power. And I've flipped on that switch, you know, because of you guys to my higher selves and to my higher power. And uh, so anyhow, the clarity came to me that this person wasn't going to work out, and I easily and effortlessly let, let that person go. But for me, it's like I have to be bankable. And so, like, you know, here's the greatest description I've ever heard of faith, and that is, you know, do you all believe that maybe evil Knievel can jump the Grand Canyon? Yeah, we kind of believe that, right? He could probably do that. He's done it, right? We've seen him do it. Okay? But faith is getting on the back of that motorcycle. Okay? So, you know, when it says, you know, in step three, is that we made a decision to turn our, our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood Him. Well, what's our will and our lives? It's my thoughts and my actions. It's my thoughts and my actions. That's why if, I'm, if I really on a daily basis turn my life and my will over to the care of God, then every day I can make a choice towards relapse, right? I'm either going towards a size 24 or I'm going towards a size, 20, uh, a size 6. Okay? So every day. So I don't have to wait till I put 50 pounds on, 100 pounds on. I don't have to wait till I'm 260. I can, you know, bump it up 2 pounds, 3 pounds, 4 pounds, and go, wow, where's the disconnection? Where has my ego gotten in front and riding the bus again, right? Where's my ego and my addiction and the soul tears? How did that happen? Well, for me, the, what I've learned in my life is that I have these like little tripwires called feelings that throw me out of the game. Okay? And I believe that I'm an addict because it was trained out of me. Don't feel. Shove it down. Nobody wants to hear. Keep a lid on it. Shut up. Get away. Go play on the freeway. Yeah, we know about the incest, but stop talking about it. Don't tell us about it. You know, it's not happening. I mean, it got ugly early, right? A lot of us have that same story. So it's like, don't feel, don't feel, don't feel. So how was I going to learn to feel? I've now put down the food. I've now put my hand in the hand of another compulsive overeater. And I'm literally just following her because literally she is a power greater than me because she's accomplished what I've never been able to accomplish. Okay, you guys are all power greater than me because you got your ass in. Excuse me, you got your panties in the seat. <laughs> Get a little passionate here. You guys got here, right? And so I'm here, so I can show up at my, you know, size 24 and look at what you guys are getting. I can look at the joy and the peace and the freedom that you have in your life, and the, and that you haven't exchanged one prison for another. So that means I don't have to exchange another prison for another, right? I mean, being 260 pounds—that was a prison. Right? Going on a diet was another prison. It says we want we gotta find that peace ace. Well how do we do that? That's causes and conditions. Right? Number one thing is feeling. I had to learn how to feel in this program. Okay? Somebody can say, Well, we don't like you, Sherry. It's like it's okay, I love you. You guys taught me that. Well, we think you're this. It's like, well that's okay. I still love you. Like that's your problem. You guys taught me that. The peace and ease, the glory and the power to be a woman of power and grace today. Easy and effortlessly. All because the 12 steps, 8 tools and 12 traditions are foundation in my life today. I have that grace. I'm not on a diet. I'm not 260 pounds. Okay? The desire to eat returns. You put me up against enough problems in life, that desire is going to come back, but not the obsession. 
because I have tools today. I have you guys. I can go to a meeting six times a day here in L.A. How beautiful is that? You know, I recently went and did the ABCs of abstinence up in Denver. They have like three meetings a week. I'm like, man, we got it all. Well, they got they got those beautiful animals in those mountains up there. That was pretty beautiful. That was beautiful up there. But it's like here we here we are. We here we have the beauty and the and the peace. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open this up for some questions because there is Q and A here. Does anybody have any questions? Some questions about abstinence. What's abstinence? What's a food plan? How do you do this? How'd you get a higher power? Questions? Yes. Hey, Martha. I love your talk. This is so much. It's so powerful. Um, I think something kind of got lost when you were explaining your, what your um, abstinence was. Uh-huh. Martha's asking me what my abstinence is. My abstinence is three meals a day, nothing in between, a floating fruit if necessary. And the floating fruit is literally, like, obviously... I don't dress like this every day, right? I do it to impress you guys. Actually, to impress my husband, because I'm meeting him in Beverly Hills for dinner tonight. So, uh, um, okay, getting off track. Okay. So that floating fruit means, so if I have my breakfast and I have my lunch, but I know I'm really not going to have dinner until about 7.30 or 8 o'clock, and it's like, that is way too late for this girl. So like a floating fruit, if having a piece of fruit at, you know, 4 will kind of hold me over. So that's all that means, Okay. Abstinence in Overeaters Overeaters Anonymous does not endorse any plan of eating. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So abstinence, and I do this workshop called the ABCs of Abstinence, mapping out your abstinence and your food plan and getting clear on the difference. And it has literally helped thousands. And it's in Israel and England and Hawaii and Italy. I mean, it's just all in all over the United States. So I just I want to share that with you because it's helps so many people. And on this tape, there's literally 10 different abstinences. Some people do an abstinence, three meals a day, two snacks. Some people do, um, you know, they're diabetic, hypoglycemic. They do six small little, it's dignity of choice. But we find that we have to do something perfectly, like perfect sobriety. We put the plug in the jug. Does that help clarify that? And it's totally dignity of choice. So if I'm doing three meals a day and Walter's doing uh, three meals a day and two snacks or whatever he's doing, right? Am I doing it right Right, and he's doing it wrong? No. He's doing dignity of choice. He's doing it the way that works for him, right? There's some food plans you may have heard that says, no, ketchup. It's like, oh, honey, ketchup's not the problem for this girl with the french fries. (laughs) I mean, come on, don't tell me that's my problem. You know, like if I put a little ketchup on meatloaf, I mean, I'm kind of a, you know, I kind of like that old-fashioned. Like, who cares? I never poured out a bottle of ketchup. Like, that's not my issue, right? Okay? I have sponsees. It's like this one sponsee, she counts out five pretzels in her lunch every day. I can't do that. I can't eat a pretzel. I'll look like a pretzel. So if she can do it and I can't, am I doing it wrong and she's doing it right? No, she's doing it the way that works for her. Okay? I have another sponsee. She, she calls me up one day and she goes, Sherry, I don't want to tell you this. Like, and I'm a sponsor, right? So I'm like bracing myself like a mother. It's the worst, right? She goes, I binge on milk. <laughs> milk? 
I goes, yeah, no. I go, you mean like an alcoholic pouring the vodka in the thing? She goes, yeah, just like that. I go, wow. Okay, so she had to kind of address what her alcoholic's food are. If that needs to be, if that needs to go on her absence, or if it needs to go on her food plan, if it needs to, you know, kind of put a gate around it. Okay, so if you told me I couldn't eat milk, that's not going to help me, right? I got to make myself eat milk. I have another guy. He says that he binges on steak and applesauce. P U. Like, okay, like, yeah. Okay, so if you told me sure you can't have steak and applesauce, I'd go, well, good, give me a pizza. So it's dignity of choice. It's dignity of choice. So, all right, any other, some other, yeah. Hi, Melanie. Hey, Melanie. God program, it's all the same. You, God program. Because without you, you can't have God, right? And without God, you can't have you. Without program, you never would have linked the two together. So you, God program. All right? And so you come first. If somebody is threatening your life and it has a tendency to cancel you out, then that needs to be addressed immediately. So, and if you want to take my number, we can explore that further and really talk it out. So here's what, let me, uh, so this is her question for those that you are on tape. She has a friend of hers, you're exercise bulimic also. Her friend's an exercise bulimic and anorexic. And that friend of hers is not in program. You've tried to carry the message to her and you can't. Most important thing, if we're talking about her now, Let's talk about her, okay? So if we're talking about her, the best thing you can do is show her the peace and ease, the peace and ease of the joy and the beauty that you get to live in your life today is really being that program of attraction, okay? I have people in my family that I've always looked like this to them. I mean, they've come into, they've gotten married and added themselves to our family, right? So at Christmas and all these holidays we have, man, they sit down, Boy, if they ever get into recovery and hear this tape, it'd be embarrassing, right? <laughs> um, so they sit down and they're just binging me on all this food, and they look at me and they go, "Gosh, you're, how do you look like that?" You know? And I said, "Well, I didn't always look like this, but I don't say that." And then, so, so I say a little of that. I don't say too much about OA, and so, um, so then I say something like, and then if they ever say, "God, I'd love to lose my weight, love to lose this weight," because I've seen them like. They were 20 pounds overweight. Well, wait, right? Now they're 40, now they're 50, now they're 80. And it's like, oh, my God. And so I, I put these seeds, I put this bait out, and I go, you know, I have a friend who lost whatever they're trying to lose, 50 pounds, 80 pounds. They lost it and kept it off. If they don't ask me a further question, then, then I just go, they're not ready. It's okay because I'm going to be here. I'm going to grab them, and as soon as they cock open their mouth, I'm going to cram this 12-step down. <laughs> but I can't pry their mouth open. They have to be broken like I was, going, help me. All right? And uh, if they ever do say overeater, if I ever get a chance to go farther, that's what I do to help someone else. But I really try and be kind of like, here, kitty, 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 come on, come on, come on. Be a program of attraction, okay? 
and, and just love them, okay? My family raised three addicts. I have a brother who's a full-blown addict, a full-blown um, alcoholic. Me, we already know. Sherry's just thoroughbred. I'm just a full-blown compulsive reader. And my sister is a heroin addict, okay? My sister now has 12 years clean and sober, all right? I wanted to be the one to carry the message to her. I, I made my parents go to Al-Anon for her, right? Not for me, not, you know what I mean? But come on, let's save her. Let's do that, you know? It's like... You know, and then it was like, you know, I wanted, you know, I, hell, I tried to help her so much. But you know what? I wasn't, it wasn't for me to, because guess what? I kept, I hate to say this to you, I kept stopping her from hitting bottom. So is there maybe a part that you're not speaking your truth to her? You're letting her, you're not letting her hit a bottom. So when I took it all away from my sister and she hit a bottom, and then I said to her, I said, when you're ready, man, I'll be here. And she was ready came with her mouth wide open one day, just crammed 12 steps through it, and we were the best of friends today. You know, 12, you know, I got 18 and a half years. She has 12 years. It's just the most fabulous thing. But sometimes the only thing you can do is pray and just be that pro attraction for them. But you come first. You come first. You, God, and your own sobriety with your alcoholism. I mean, with your, you know, alcoholic foods, you know, your addictions. And um, it would be lovely. And we'll all say a prayer for her tonight. We'll all be thinking about her because she's going to hit a bottom because, you know, it doesn't get worse. I mean, it doesn't get better. It gets worse over time. So if it's not painful for her enough now, you know, maybe 98 pounds will do it. Maybe it'll be 78. I don't know. I, you know, and for, you know, an anorexic is just at the opposite end of the compulsive overeater and the bulimic's right in the middle, right? And we all have the same crappy head. It's hell. It's absolute living. Isn't it a nightmare? This is a nightmare. Question. Yes. Hey, Joe. I tend to personalize everything and to my feelings. It's just steamrolling me. No way! I can just comment on what someone said. So you're talking about how, let's say, someone will say something like, you don't like you or this or that, and you're just able to let that go. How do you get from a point of, you know, all these feelings and just being able to do Okay. Um, if I had a little board, I would write, I would do this. Let, let me just kind of do this. If this is, this is, I believe that there's two of me. Okay, I have a physical self. We can all see, right? This is my physical self. I also have an internal self. I have a soul. You can call it whatever you want. But it's like I have that, like something running in my head all the time, Right? That's not from the outside. So I have my physical self and I have my soul, which I call my lower self and my higher self. So when I, when, when I was 260 pounds and I had faith, believed in God, right, I was really agnostic to, as to application. Okay? So, so working through these 12 steps, it says after, oh my gosh, this 12 steps, after having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and practice this principle in all our affairs. Okay, so it's like I believe my higher self through the 12 steps connected up to my higher power. And when I live on this vertical plane this way versus this horizontal plane, which is the physical plane, so this vertical plane being desire-driven, like all the good, when I'm really happy, joyous, and free, I'm really hooked into my higher self and my higher power, and I have love for all of you, right? So when I'm on the physical plane, when I'm on the ver- going horizontal, I'm fear-driven. I hate you guys. 
I'm scared. Get away. Give me a piece of Taco Bell. Here I come. It's like there is not enough food in the world to fill that hole, right? So I kind of look at this like, like, let me just say this. Like, I got you in my crosshairs, right? Like, so you see like this big T, right? And every notch, so it's like if you have like a circle going through that, that, that T, that cross kind of thing. So if you, the center is really, when I link up the spiritual with the physical, that's really the truth of me. And my life really works. That's that peace and ease that they're talking about. That we don't need to be on a diet. We don't need to be white knuckle. It's just a happy, joyous, and free. We're not in a prison, right? And people are not a prison. Okay? And, but, so what happens, so it's like if you're focusing a camera like this on a flower and somebody knocks you like that, and you get out of focus, we really have to stand up and stand tall on the inside, like literally grab our vertebrae. That's what I say in my house. Stand up and stand tall. Because it gets scary. And it's always a choice, right? I'm either going towards a size 6 or a size 24, or I'm going on that physical plane, or I'm going on, on my spiritual plane. And I have to have my, my, my higher self and God be out front and my ego and addiction in the back. I can't have it the other way around. We know which mess I can make out of my life. So what I do is that I keep, I, I, I don't let those things pull me apart and pull me apart. And, and it's training, training, training. It's a discipline. So when some, so you're saying when someone says that, says something to you and it knocks you out, right? Sends you on a binge, sends you to the food. Okay? This is what I say. Do you have a sponsor? Okay. Just for the sake of tape, she has no sponsor. <laughs> the mind that got you into trouble cannot be the one to get you out. Because the mind that tells us, call Domino's. He looks like a good guy to date. The only one you're seeing. <laughs> you know, we can get our world real small and our fannies really big. Okay, this program is a great program. It is absolutely worthless unless you do the we part of it. Okay? And you can call me. Okay? Please call me. Alright? It takes, uh, takes me a day or two. I get a lot of phone calls. I always want to help people. You have to, and I'll tell you, those of you on tape, if you don't have a sponsor, you don't know how to get a sponsor, call me. I have a five-step process. I will send you out to get a sponsor. Report back first step. Step two, go do this, go do that, because it is the worst damn-ass thing to have to do is a we-ass part of the split. Sorry. Okay? It's hard. You need a sponsor. You ever had a sponsor? Okay. How long have you been in program? Okay. Good girl. Good girl for being just so vulnerable. You ought to be so damn proud of yourself. You know, just because this is the You took a risk after one year to come up here and go, hey, man, how do you do this? All right, that is a risk. Well, I always say we won't risk what we know we can't recover from. So something that's happened on some level that you were able to raise your hand in this room of, what, 40 people and take that risk. And you know what? Do we love her for that or not? <laughs> that's recovery. This is not where you show up to look hip, slick, and cool. This is not the cool girls club and guys club. Wish it was. Okay, this is how somebody told me after I lost my first sponsor after a year. I go, because my sponsor got me from the outside, even though I'd laced my life with OA for 13 years before I got 
got in the rooms again, right, you know, I, before I really became a member. Um, I go, how do you get a sponsor? And they go, ask somebody that has what you want. I look for Claudia Schiffer and Cindy Crawford and Tyra Banks. And, you know, those girls are not here. They are not here. And I go, I can't find, I can't find, you know, like, you know, that, those girls. And she goes, sure, you don't know what. I go, well, what do you mean? They said, get somebody else. Which one? No, get somebody willing to tell the truth to. Okay? See how she told us the truth? Isn't that wonderful? So that, so, you know, after you do your step four, then we do step five. And in A12 and 12, in step five, it says, that was the beginning of true kinship with man and God. And you know what that means? That meant that Sherry no longer had to eat two pieces and 68 candy bars and curl up in the fetal position at the edge of her bed because now the food no longer worked because you guys felt safer than the food. I was getting love that I'd never experienced in this room that I paid a dollar for. One dollar. Not 10000 And check this out. If you have, what's that, bariatric surgery? I used to think, like, Ah, just keep that in the background in case this doesn't work, right? I can always have bariatric surgery because, see, I was going to do OptiFast before I came into OA. Because Oprah's done it. She lost all that weight, right? So, and I thought, you know, yeah, we all know that story. God bless the girl. Okay. One day she'll have us on her show and she'll spread, help spread the message. Um, so I always thought bariatric surgery was the magic bullet. I really believe that. And guess what I found out? That a doctor considers in bariatric medicine, if you put 50% of your weight back on, you are a surgery success. I'm like, holy crap. If you put 50% of your weight back on, you are considered a surgery success. Okay? This is Overeaters Anonymous. We are here to obtain and maintain a healthy body weight without losing any parts but gaining our whole self back. Isn't that a miracle? We are here to obtain and maintain a healthy body weight. And it's, and it's easy and effortlessly if you do it just one day at a time. Just one day. One hour. One hour. Okay, sometimes when it gets really tough, because if you're in the game for 18 and a half years, you think I've been through hell? Been through hell. You know, the year 2000, my house caught on fire. My father-in-law had a stroke. My sister-in-law died. They told me I had ovarian cancer. It was a misdiagnosis. Thank you very much. But the hell that put me through. My mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's every single month for an entire year. It was hell. And I said, this is good enough for 100-pound weight gain. I gained two pounds because I stopped working out. And I said, God, you know what? If you wanted this tough for me, then fine. Bring it on. I staked my claim of abstinence, and I said, I am not leaving. I'm going to grow through this. I'm going to grow fully into the woman you want me to be. But that's because you guys taught me that. Yes? What were the other four things? You said there were five. Five. To get a sponsor? To what? No, this is my, I have this little, I have this like, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. I like to make it really simple for people. This is what I, like if you say, hey, sure, I need to get a sponsor. I would say, look, go to a meeting, get five phone numbers in one meeting, in three meetings, and call me back in two to three days. And then we talk about those five people, right? And you think you get to choose, right? And then we do the surrender prayer. Not to be confused with the serenity prayer that says, God, if you want me to work with Lulu Bell, 
Let me work with her. If you don't want me to work with Lulu Bell, then don't let me work with her. But place in me your will and give me the power and the courage to carry it out. So then I say, what's your name? Mark. And I say, hey, Mark, let's call Lulu Bell. Let's pick up the phone and call her right now and see if she's available. Don't leave some blah, blah, blah. Just, like, beg them. Okay? So you beg. You go, Lulu Bell. I'll do anything you want. I will be your greatest sponsee. Will you sponsor me? Please, I need help. Sound desperate. Yank on somebody's heartstrings. Okay? There's a lot of people who are real washing in program, but if you really want some, some kick-ass sponsor, it's like you got to get, get in their face because they want to work with people who want to do what they right? Because if you've made that decision, if you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Those good sponsors are looking for that. Okay, so then, so she'd say, yeah, I'll take it. No, I won't, or I'm full, or whatever the deal is. Then I'll go, okay, let's call number two on the list. Okay, because I believe that if you take one step towards God, he'll take ten on your behalf. I believe that, the, that God feeds the birds, but he doesn't throw the seeds into their nest. But I'm going to help you. I'm going to put my hand in yours and help you do that until you get a sponsor. Okay, and I'm going to tell you, when you feel like not taking your sponsor's direction, please call me before you stop calling your sponsor, because that's your ego and your addiction and the kid with the soul tear. So that's just burning through. That's just burning through that bravery that, that enabled you to pick up the button and go, Sherry, help me! That's all it is. Is that what you, that's what, was that what you were asking? Well, I thought I heard you said there were five things you mentioned. First, they get a sponsor out of assuming that there were... No, this is kind of what I do to break you down. Because for me, it's really hard to get a sponsor. That's, that's really, those are just steps that I would take you through to get a sponsor. It's, to me, does anybody, does everybody, does, does, is getting a sponsor easy? Okay, but we can't get anywhere, right? It's like, can you drive your car without a driver's license? Can you drive a car without learning to drive? You make a mess, right? You put a seven-year-old in a car, and he's going to run it through a wall. He's going to drive it through your kitchen. It's going to be on your dining room table. Okay? We need help. We need help. It's intense training, negates instinct, and I think for compulsive overeaters, we have so many trust issues. It's so hard for us to reach out to others that still today, after 18 and a half years, a few years ago, I had to get a new sponsor, and... Um, and I was telling a friend of mine, I go, God, I, I, I need a sponsor. And, uh, and I had gotten this other sponsor, right? And I'd call her, she never called me back. And I like the kind of sponsors that say, call me at 7.15 a.m. I like a scheduled time, because that, that's kind of how I am. i got to make, otherwise my head will go, don't call, you'll bother her. That's my head, right? Okay, but the desire is, I need help, right? But then on the physical side, the ego, the addiction says, don't bother anybody. Well, guess where I learned that? That's the problem, right? So, so this sponsor, you know, she would never call me back. And my husband, right, I've been married to my husband for 14 or 15 years. I you know, met him a couple of years after I was abstinent. And he goes, Shuri, like, just like a sponsor, right? He goes, Shuri, she's not your sponsor. I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, you would never allow anybody to do this. She's not even calling you. I go, God, even he knows that? I mean, see how crazy? Because it says in our, in our big book that, that we will have strange mental blank spots even after 18 and a half years. That's why we need a WE program. So thank you all, WE, for letting me speak tonight. Thank you.